to face, hand to hand, film to film. Welcome to the Film to Film podcast. I am the host this week, James Shergan. I am joined here by my good friend, Inyaki Liniero. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, James. How about you? I'm hanging in there, hanging in there. Um, so today we are talking about a film related to the two films we watched um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Dario Argento's Inferno, 1980. We're going into the night. 19- oh, shit. I thought we were watching the uh, 1998 uh, Inferno, the one with Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, somewhere, uh, I hope you all get sarcasm because uh, I don't know if Ron Howard does because I think he's crying somewhere. Um, so <laughs> that would be kind of a disaster if you watch that film. Uh, I- <laughs> All right. Well, um, so quickly, here is a synopsis I'm going to read to you, uh, although I don't know if it matters all that much in this film. Uh, Rose Elliott, a young poet in Rome, murdered after she reads a Latin book that tells the supernatural stories of the three mothers. mothers. Her brother, Mark, investigates her murder, and after his his friend Sarah is killed, heads for New York. Well, first of all, I can't speak English. Uh, second of all, I noticed one obvious error there, but what do you make of that synopsis? Sorry, you got a little bit cut. Could you repeat that one more time? Oh, yeah. Uh, Rose Elliott, a young poet in Rome, murdered after she reads a Latin book that tells the supernatural story of the three mothers. Her brother, Mark, investigates her murder, and after his friend Sarah is killed, heads for New York. Is that from Wikipedia? Uh, or IMDb. Yeah, one of those two. Yeah. That's, I mean, the location's wrong. Yeah, yeah. She's in uh, New York. New York, yeah. Like, that's, a, like, that's the whole reason why he goes to New York. Yeah. I also like how it just frames it as if she reads a Latin book and then she gets killed. I, I mean, maybe maybe don't read books in Latin. Well, I mean, that, uh, I mean... I mean that's the lesson you get from uh, um, from other movies like Evil Dead, right? Or or Cabin in the Woods. It's like never read the Latin. <laughs> that's true. Never read the Latin. Um, okay. Uh, well, uh, let's talk a little bit um, about sort of the perception of this film. Released nineteen eighty, uh, it grossed one point three three billion lira in Italy. Um, one interesting thing about this film is it was mainly just seen in Italy. Suspiria was a big global success, and this film actually did have some international financing. But for mm-hmm. whatever reason, um, the uh, I think it was Fox, I want to say, uh, decided not to release it uh, uh, widely. Uh, maybe they just thought it wasn't very accessible, which weird. Maybe a good call. Um, not sure. Uh, So the reception of this has always been mixed. It's made it sort of in the middle of Argento's golden years. um, Mm -hmm. After, so 1975, he does Deep Red, big classic giallo film, many consider the ultimate giallo. Suspiria, 1977. 1978, he helps to finance Dawn of the Dead for Romero, putting Goblin on the soundtrack. So another big hit. This film, 1980, and then after Mm -hmm. that, he does Tenebrae, which is also considered to be one of the uh, vintage Argento films. So this film of those uh, those four that he directed is kind of considered to be by many to be one of the the weakest of them, the least talked about at least. So it's kind of like 
is is done right after Suspiria, and I feel like it's kind of seen in Suspiria's shadow a little bit. Um, well, I, I read that even he didn't like it so much because he was sick through like most of the filming. Right, right. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, he was sick uh, during it, and so thankfully he had uh, one of the other great Italian horror directors uh, working with him on this production, who I think took over some of those duties. Um, so first of all. Uh, uh, what what did you make of this film? What were your general impressions? I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, to be honest, I, I probably liked it more than Suspiria. Yeah, well, I actually um, agree with you. Uh, I also enjoyed this film uh, just as much as Suspiria. I don't know if I like it more or less, um, but for me, it's almost like a little bit of an easier uh, pill to get down. Um, maybe it's just some of that like really oppressive goblin score that's just insanely exhausting watching Suspiria, but um, this film I find uh, to be much, it, I don't know, it, it, it's uh, it's much easier to take in for me. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it still has like the, the you know, the colorful t touches and the scenery of uh, Suspiria, but with, without so much of the uh, always, just the exhausting soundtrack for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think amongst Argento uh, fans, uh, most of them do like this film quite a bit, um, but even amongst them, it's usually c kind of in that like five to 10 range rather than like his top few best films. But honestly, I think this may be amongst my favorite uh, Argento films. Mm. Um, all right. Um, so uh, the plot. The plot is pretty basic, and I think you can sort of tell Argento is not super interested in narratives. Um, this film, uh, in Suspiria, you have Susie Banyan, who you're sort of following around. This mm -hmm. it almost is like they're passing the baton between protagonists. Right. I don't, you don't really get the impression that Argento is interested in any of them very much individually. I suppose Mark is sort of, on the surface level, your main protagonist. But he's kind of such a weak lead that uh, it's like he, he really takes a backseat to a lot of the production and the cinematography and, and the set design. You know, I, I agree with you in part. I mean, in, in a way, this sort of reminds me a little bit of uh, Psycho. Uh, actually, a lot of Psycho in the sense that, like, you think Rose is the main character, mainly. And, uh, and, and she's not. At the end, it's her brother. And, and and it does kind of have that feeling of, you know, like you start with her, things happen with her, then you got a little tangent that's, but, but then once you go, you come back to her and then she, she's killed. And then really it's all about Mark. Mark, I think his name. Uh, yeah, Mark. But even, yeah. even once Mark takes over, it's like they sort of hand it off to that Countess Elise for a bit. True. She gets killed. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't seem like Argento is terribly interested in Mark. I mean, Mark is a pretty blah character, too. It's like... Oh, yeah. ...student in Rome. The uh, performance, I don't think, is inspiring anyone to go to acting school or anything like that. Um, he has zero personality, for sure. Yeah. He's kind of like... Uh, he's like Mark Hamill. He's, he's Mark. <laughs> what? Uh, now, I, I think he has less personality than uh, Luke from Star Wars. That's probably true. Because, <laughs> I mean, Luke was uh, kind of a whiny bitch. Here, this guy is really like nothing. He's a blank slate. And that's it. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I mean, he's kind of an empty vessel. Mm-hmm. For me, also, it's like um, Argento's lack of interest in the uh, protagonist, it sort of helps to clarify his appeal in a certain way, um, just in the sense that, like, you could watch Suspiria as sort of like a narrative film, and you could sort of, you might, I don't know, I feel like Suspiria doesn't work that well if you're, like, trying to, like, see it all through Susie Banyan's lens and stuff like that. What what does work in Suspiria is more just, like, the production design and just sort of that sense of atmosphere and stuff like this. This film tries even less with the narrative, so I find it actually uh, helps to just sort of see that this is more almost like a David Lynch film, uh, something that makes less sense than something that, you know, has more of a traditional narrative um, from, like, a more uh, standard feature. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's less straightforward, although at the same time... Uh... I, I mean, this plot-wise, this movie is a little bit more complex. I agree. I agree. It's just, I does the plot matter? It would be the my uh, counter question. I, I would say it matters in the sense that it, it. I mean, I wanted to know what's going on, right? And that's plot. And uh, at the end, uh, I understood what was going on. Not much, but I understood what was going on, and and. In that sense, you know. Great. One of my favorite moments where I like actually laugh out loud at this film. There's not many of them. It's like the moment at the end where uh, Mark finds the old guy by going through the floorboards and stuff like that. And the old guy's like, you must know who I am. Um, And Mark's like, no. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea who the hell you are also. Um, And he's like, oh, I'm Varelli. I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I kind of thought that he might be the, the guy who wrote the book. However, Mark really had no reason to know. And, and that's the, that makes it really funny. Like, Mark is 100% like an idiot who just kind of happened to be there. <laughs> um, I, I must say, though... Um, this movie had two scenes that made me laugh out loud. That one and another one that I think we will talk later. And the other one made me laugh out loud, like, like literally, like, knee slapper, like, what? <laughs> and uh, just laughing. Are we talking about hot dog vendors here? Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm all in. I love that hot dog vendor scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that, that's uh, all time what the fuck right there. Um, but for me, uh, I'd say this film just works in the sense of like, it's almost just like operating on that sort of nightmare logic where it's sort of like this really dreamy atmosphere, uh, mm-hmm. some really fantastic set pieces that, that Suspiria, uh, cinematography coming in here, uh, like lots of pink with blue, some red, um, although I'm, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, although I must say like. One thing, and perhaps why why I like this one a little bit more is that it, it adds to it because um, it, there's moments where colors are muted, uh, colors are not muted but they're realistic, and then when shit is about to happen is when you have that slow transition between like regular colors to the superior colors, and and it sort of guides you on to know like oh okay now, now we're getting into the surrealist shit now we're getting into the crazy stuff. Uh, and Suspiria didn't really have that as much. And this one sort of also kind of guides you on when to be fully tense or not. 
That makes sense. Interesting. I hadn't noticed that uh, watching it. So you're basically saying that this, uh, the colors and, and the cinematography are used uh, to sort of, um, they're heightened at, at moments when like there's more tension or something like that. And they're, yeah. they're uh, sort of condensed and not, not so vivid uh, when, uh, when less is going on. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, basically. I mean, I, I almost feel like it, I do agree with the nightmare con- uh, concept that you're mentioning, but like even in nightmares, like when shit goes really bad in a nightmare is when shit is most weird. And I think the same, same here, like you're, when, you're, you're feeling safe when the, the colors are normal, but then as soon as the colors start getting like, you get those reds, those greens, those blue, it's when, you know, shit's about to happen. And Yeah, interesting. Uh, makes sense. Uh, one other thing, uh, one other weakness of Suspiria that we talked about last time too was just sort of like some of the exposition and stuff. I actually like the exposition in this just a little bit more. Um, they, it, it's at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just kind of voice it over real fast. They don't have to go to some uh, psychologist or something to talk about witches. Um, they just have uh, Virali basically narrating you uh, throughout the book, yeah. And you don't need to know a lot. And I mean, frankly, it's not like... If you're watching Argento because he picks great narratives, it's like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I, I agree with that. In fact, in, probably, and maybe on, on to your point about plot, unlike the previous one, in this one, I feel like you need need to know less. Like, you could go without that exposition, and, and the movie would still be the same. Right, right. That's true. Uh, so... Yeah, um, I guess uh, this is sort of an interesting segue to talk a little bit about um, the mythology of it. So this film, um, on, so Suspiria was clearly intended to be sort of a one-off where you mm-hmm. just have um, uh, uh, Helena Marcos as your sort of villain. This one builds out the, that mythology a bit more. Uh, we learned there's three mothers, one in Freiburg, which was uh, in Suspiria, one in New York, and one in Rome. Um, mm-hmm. And what, what did you make of that whole subplot? For me, it, uh, yeah, you go first. You go first. Uh, I mean, like it, it sounds like they were they're retroactively creating a, 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 a mythos into the movies. But uh, I mean, it was interesting. It was kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, like the, when they were in Rome, like, and you see the the girl. I'm assuming that's uh, mother of uh, of yeah, tears. That is the mother of tears. I did not realize that because I'm a freaking idiot. But yeah, I read the IMDb trivia after, and that's supposed to be the mother of tears. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean at the beginning I was like, wait, why is the why is the because at first I thought that was the mother of uh, of darkness, and I'm like, why is the mother of darkness in Rome? Uh, and then, like, when, once they show the Mother of Darkness, I'm like, oh, that must have been the Mother of Tears. <laughs> Which makes sense, because uh, they describe her as, like, the most beautiful of them th- of the three. There's a huge age difference, by the way, in all three of yeah. them. This is true. This is very true. Especially uh, for uh, Helena Marcos, who is, like, yeah. definitely has her Medicare card. Although, I don't know. Uh, 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 but... It, what do I think of the mythos? It, 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 I think this one was built to have a third one. 
I think uh, I think that's the only reason why they put the mythos in is to have a third one, and maybe to have a reason to show Rome because like they probably didn't have the money to have enough shots in New York. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get the impression they were saving the Rome for last. I mean, that's where I believe Argento is based. I mean, it's certainly closest to its home base. Um, right, it's right. too bad they waited so long to do it until uh, 2007 because. Mm. Um, to talk briefly about that film, it, the aesthetic of it is just totally different from the first two films. So a lot of the appeal that we're talking about, that sort of atmosphere, that sort of rich colors and stuff like that, it's just absent from that film. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, I guess for me, uh, the mythos works fine. Um, it's not specifically what I'm interested in the film. Uh, I'm kind of like agnostic if if uh, if uh, the director from uh, Luca uh, Gattaguino, I think that's his name, uh, would want to do um, Inferno or Mother of Tears on his own. If he wants to, fine. I'm sure he'd do a very different job than Argento. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, this is not Harry Potter, so I don't necessarily need them to fully explore that. But it is kind of interesting as far as like a way to to lead the plot around. Yeah, actually, I'm. I'm. After watching this movie, I'm. I'm even more. I would even even more than before. I would like to ha- see what he would do with this. Yeah, I mean, I feel like even more so than Suspiria, Inferno is sort of a blank slate that he can sort of just paint his own canvas on. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's like we don't. We don't know a whole lot about, like, it, it, one of the interesting things about the Suspiria remake was, like, how it explores the sort of relationship between witches and stuff like that. This mm-hmm. film does none of that. So, right, I mean, right. like, if he wanted to come in here and sort of create some interesting world building and stuff around that, I think that could be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And actually, when, when it comes to the witches, one thing, one thing that did surprise me was... Um, uh, to me, what would be like a plot twist, and it was the people who work at the building, uh, especially um, what's her name, um, especially the Carol, yeah, played by uh, Mit Alita Valley, aka Miss Tanner. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is also, also very good, good job, job at not making making her, making her look German, German this time. Uh, yeah, well, they voiced her over with like a very. Strange. It's almost jarring to hear that voice coming out of her after Suspiria. True, true. But I was gonna, I was gonna say, uh, with Carol, you know, you expect her to be one of the witches, and and at the end, no, I, I, I don't think so. No, I mean, she kind of gets. I mean, I assume not. I mean, she gets set on fire and and dies a pretty terrible death. Yeah, she gets ruined just like everyone else. Um, Although there are other workers, so maybe the other workers could be part of the witches. I don't know. Uh, it isn't clear. But I, I, I don't know. It was just something that uh, caught my attention, especially because she, she was very suspicious in most of the movie. Like, you're like, oh, you know, she, uh, she's super friendly with, uh, uh, with the brother, uh, with Mark. She kind of helps him out and all that. And then, like, I mean, she kind of helps him, him up. And, like, it almost seems like she's very dishonest. But then, no, she's just, she just wants to steal from someone else. And that's it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, I, I feel like that, that what you said makes sense. It's like you, of all the characters in the film, 
you would assume that she's in on whatever plot there's going on. In fact, I would have suspected her more than the nurse. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, that is interesting. Um, in that sense, there's like much less of a cast of characters here uh, than Suspiria, where there's like always like these girls dancing and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any other thoughts on sort of the atmosphere and stuff like that before we dive into some of the uh, set pieces of this? I mean, one thing I, I do like how in this one they played more with el- different elements, uh, like the underwater scene. I thought it was really great. Um, and personally, I when it comes to s- soundtrack, I enjoyed the music in this movie way more than uh, than Suspiria. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed the. The way they they use the music, uh, I mean, you, you got the the original sc- their original score. I don't know who was by, but uh, it was more classical, but at the same time, still very of the era. Right. Well, right now you are speaking blasphemy to a lot of the Argento fans out there because um, that Goblin score is beloved uh, by I know. many. Um, but to be honest. I secretly, I think, well, not so secretly now, kind of agree with you. Uh, for me, the score is a big reason why this film, I think, is a lot more rewatchable for me than Suspiria. I do mm-hmm. really like that Goblin score, but there's something about it that's just like, well, it's, it's just incredibly exhausting. Um, not to say that this score is particularly subtle or anything like that, oh. but compared to the Goblin score, just about anything would be subtle. Right. No, I mean, I mean it wasn't subtle, although it was... It was nicer. It, it, it did. There were moments that it reminded me of the score for um, uh, Evil Dead Two, which is kind of weird. Huh. I actually haven't seen that film. Amazingly. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was done by Keith Emerson, who is actually quite famous. He's a progressive ro- prog rocker. Um, he did score a few other Italian films around that time. Uh, it's actually generally disliked by a lot of fans, mainly mm-hmm. because they really like Goblin. Goblin scored um, Deep Red as well as Suspiria and then Argento's follow-up films. So this is kind of like the odd film out where Goblin didn't score it. Um, but I, uh, I do like it. Um, what I, it really also, I feel like this score more than Goblin sort of go, has ups and downs to it rather than right. Goblin's just going at full throttle the whole time. The only mm-hmm. time this score really just goes all out is just sort of at the end where they play that last song with like Suspiriorum and stuff like that playing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I am a sucker for, you know, a little bit more classical because I know it's prog rock and all that, but I mean, they definitely mixed orchestra uh, a lot better and a lot more of a classical elements of music. So. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, shall we talk about some of the set pieces? All right. Go ahead. Let's go for it. So I think one of the highlights of this film, too, are the different set pieces uh, to it, uh, which Argento is just very famous for having these sort of elaborate pre-planned sequences. Um, I think in another lifetime, Argento would be a pretty incredible event planner. Um, Like, he could uh, plan out a club. You could have, like, your barbed wire room um, where, (laughs) you you know, you just get uh, toasted, get a little... um, physical pain going on. You could have a little bit of a underwater ballroom dancing. Uh, 
And then you could have another room, which would be my least favorite room because I'm allergic, where you just have cats constantly thrown at you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. Disneyland? Argento Land? Anyone in? Um. <laughs> I mean, they're making Ghibli Land in Japan. So, Italy, you need to think about this. Argento Land <laughs> is definitely a... a it's for the children. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Have some invisible witches. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I think one of the most famous set pieces of this film is the first one, um, which I think is absolutely stunning, um, which is the cellar um, with the underwater ballroom where um, yeah. Rose goes underwater and basically... Um, you know she's sort of being watched, which is also a constant theme of this film. And these sort of dead bodies just sort of attack her. Um, uh-huh. And uh, uh, what, did you have any thoughts on this one? I, I thought I, I thought it was beautiful. I thought that uh, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the 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 setting, especially underwater. Is just uh, I mean. I thought the dead body was kind of silly, although it was a good jump scare when it first pops up. Yeah. But then you can definitely see that someone's just pushing the mannequin onto her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, but it, beyond it, that, like it was it was a very beautiful scene. Like you get you get very bright colors, but this time not so much from the lighting, but from just the location and and uh, and you get sort of a, a creepy. Uh, Titanic, like almost a feeling of being like in the Titanic because it's just very uh, grand uh, yet wet. Right. Yeah, I mean, the dead body uh, just sort of, because it's almost like it just keeps moving at her. So it does strain the credibility of it, how this dead body can somehow just appear out of there. But for me, uh, if you operate at this movie without logic, I think you'll probably enjoy it more. So yeah, I I really, uh, I think it's great. Yeah. Underwater Mm -hmm. sequence, definitely in. And, and, and the suspense is high for sure like, oh yeah because you, you know something is going to happen uh, and and you know a lot of people have uh, the phobia of being of, of drowning of drowning and you can imagine you know she could have died there right yeah I Easily. mean how, how she struggles to sort of get her way out like she hits the ceiling a couple times and stuff like that right and, I also think horror movie audiences are sort of um, preset to sort of expect a death early on, Um, Mm -hmm. like just sort of in the opening scene, all the way from slashers to, I don't know, I mean, Suspiria, we see an early murder, uh, Deep Red, there's an early murder. So you kind of expect the first character you're getting introduced to to die, but she actually lives. Right. For another 20 minutes. I mean, and she's the closest to the most interesting character in to an interesting character in the movie. Uh, yeah, she's like the most legitimately interested in the mythos. Everyone else sort of gets dragged into this by her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's the reason why people die, actually. Right. Yeah. So she's played by uh, Irene Miracle, who was actually cast because she had a background in synchronized swimming. So. Ah. There you go. It, interesting, because... I mean, there was nothing too impressive. No, on yeah, her underwater. Maybe she can just do more takes. She can hold her breath longer. I don't know. Actually, yes, yes, that's probably it. Because uh, there was in the underwater scenes, there were some very long takes. 
And I can yeah. imagine that any and yeah, so actually, shit, yeah, synchronized swimmers. That I didn't even think about that. Like they don't breathe, they don't breathe at all. So yeah, she probably is really good at it. Yeah, I mean, she she's good. I I feel like the movie starts out on one of its strongest scenes, um, just mm-hmm. with that with that set piece. Um, supposedly that uh, Irene Miracle says she almost never saw Dario Argento on set, who was sick with some sort of a hepatitis at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was A or B. Uh, doesn't matter. Um, so uh, Mario, yeah, there are more than just two. You got C as well. A B C's. Yeah. I, yeah. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> someone can uh, fact check that. Um, but uh, so Mario Mario Bava, who is a great Italian director, um, many credit credit as sort of the godfather of the Giallo film, uh, ended up doing more of these duties um, for those scenes. So. Uh, kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know if you can really say that the film has a totally different feel to it than the other ones, but it looks incredible and it's a really well done sequence. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think the other cool thing is just the suspense that's being generated there. You know she's being watched. You see the hand uh, hand following her. Uh, we see someone pick up the lighter and stuff afterwards, and then when she goes back into the building, we sort of have that uh, those whispers going on reminds me a lot of Suspiria and the, just the, the feeling that you're being conspired against. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's a great way, um, great sequence. Yeah. I am, I'm actually wondering because there's a lot of whispers in this movie, a lot of whispers in right. many scenes. It, it, and, and many times they're commenting on what's happening in front of you, almost to the point where, uh, like, I'm, I'm kind of curious in the remake, whether or not that was sort of an inspiration of uh, uh, the way that the witches talk to each other in the remake of Suspiria, because, you know, they would talk uh, tel- telepathically. And maybe this one sort of has that. I mean, all of the, I mean especially, I mean, th- I know the library is later, but the library has a lot of whispers. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, and I was wondering, like, are those actually whispers or are those like witches in some places, we don't see them, but they're talking to each other. That's true. Uh, that's an interesting point because it's kind of you, you don't really have a physical object you can associate with a lot of those voices. Like in that first scene, maybe it's um, Carol, uh, Alita Valley, uh, mm-hmm. but you don't even know who she'd be talking to. So maybe it's her, maybe it's not. Um, According to the captions in a Canopy, it was a man, even though the voice is clearly a woman. <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> so Canopy doesn't even know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But it does help to create this sort of like mood and atmosphere of being uh, watched and paranoid. And uh, this film eventually moves into that uh, part where it's taking great advantage of just sort of the building architecture of being heard and stuff like that. Uh, they explore like the uh, those little audio holes and stuff like that where they can talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't know. We'll get into that later. Uh, anything else to say about the underwater opening? No, I mean, I, I thought it was great. Uh, lots of suspense, which, you know, one thing, I guess I was kind of curious, what was on the other side of the door? We never got to see that. Yeah. I mean, there are, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of questions with the underwater ballroom. It's like, what, what is this place? <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. But yeah, I mean, obviously, that's the first question. But like, since we, we already are, you know, in the world of 
make believe of nightmare, right? Uh-huh. I was just curious on like that that body comes from this door that opens, and then the dead body comes in through that door. I was always curious. Like at first, I actually thought she was going to escape through that door, and then maybe suffer a bigger consequence that she did, which was nothing. But she never went there. But the camera did focus there for quite a bit, so I was just kind of curious. Like, what is what was behind that door? There was a lot of light coming from it. Uh, I don't know if Argento had any plans for it in the uh, in the original take. Did you right. think about it at all? Um, I mean, I'm curious about it. I mean, that's where stuff seems to be coming from. Uh, but we also know she's being watched from above too, so it's kind of hard to say uh, what's going on. I mean, I'm I'm also curious what's behind that door, but. I don't know if they had the budget for two two rooms underwater. Uh, okay, um, so the next big set piece is the library in uh, in Rome. Um, I like this part too. Um, I think it sort of gets our European fix in, where we can take in those big architecture. Great looking library, amazing library. Yeah, um, yeah we don't have anything quite like that here in... Uh, Seattle, at least. Um, I guess Susalo would be the closest. Susalo, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Susalo. It's kind of like that. Yeah, but uh, great looking one, um, and uh, it sort of culminates in Sarah. Uh, so Rose hands the baton to Mark, who promptly drops it, and Sarah picks it up, and so we follow Sarah to this library, where she reads about two sentences of the three mutters, and then tries to steal the book as the library is closing. Right. Uh, and it uh, goes into this uh, subterranean layer, layer uh, beneath the library. Um, mm. And there's someone... <laughs> if, if this guy boiling a ton of pots of some strange liqueur, and he has strange hands and he's in the shadows, don't ask him for directions. Well, uh, the man had... Uh, he was wearing gloves, so she didn't know he had strange hands. Let's start okay. with that. But no, and actually, the guy was helpful at the beginning. He was saying, like, go through the other door. Yes. Yeah. He noticed that she was holding the book, and that's why he got angry. But I'm a, I'm going to say this. Before we get to the guy, and before we get to more set pieces, I do believe that Argento thinks that people are stupid. Like, all people. And, 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 and I say this because this girl goes into a library goes into a room, gets a book, and then tries to steal it, right? She walked in the library, so she should know how to walk out of the library, but she gets lost. One, stupid person. Mark, we don't have to say anything. That guy is just... <laughs> he's, unable, he's unable to read a letter because someone's staring at him. All Even right, if so, it's the so mother of tears, yeah. That, that's pretty clear. Um, well, once we get to the other people, I, I, I mean, uh, Carol, the way she dies is pretty dumb. She could have avoided that death easily. Another stupid person. Um, I mean, everyone dies in stupid manners. And I feel like Argentus just doesn't have, like, he's like, except for Rose. Rose is probably the only smart character in the movie. I think Argento literally is like, they're all stupid. So witches can easily kill them. Okay, well, there you have it. I don't know if I totally agree that Argento thinks they're stupid. I just think he wants to kill people in very creative ways. 
And so he'll do what he needs to uh, to accomplish that, which maybe comes at the expense of characters' intelligence or well, their decision making. Well, when it comes, sure, but when it comes to Susie, like the 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 man with the strange hands, uh, we don't even know if that's a person who killed her. But her getting there, sure. I jumped and wanted to show that set piece of all the boiling pots. Yeah, and. But it could have happened another way. I don't know. I mean, I, maybe I'm being critical. I I just thought I just found it funny. I'm like, seriously, this is the reason why you, you just couldn't find the exit of the place you literally just walked in. Good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the case uh, in favor of Sarah is she wanted the book. She really didn't want to come back tomorrow. Uh, and so she thought she'd have a better chance at stealing it by taking an alternative exit. True. All right. All right. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, also, why, did, why didn't she just check out the book? I don't know. Uh, maybe books on Latin you're not allowed to check out. They're just sort of, they stay in the library. Well, that, uh, I did notice that that was like the, a, philosophy, uh, library, like a philosophy library. So I wonder if maybe it's because she wasn't in the in the school of philosophy and she was instead in music school yeah i mean she should have just come back the next day true yeah come back with mark although we don't know maybe she would have been maybe she would have been killed anyways that night she probably would have to be honest like they probably would have realized the book is missing i mean also if they're really i mean we're getting a little bit too far into the logic of these things it's like (laughs) if if these witches didn't want that book to be read why is it in the library (laughs) Why are there so many copies of them? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of copies for this of this book that they apparently don't watch. Uh, apparently, it's just easier to murder everyone that reads the book eventually. Um, uh, but uh, I really like the uh, I, I like the boiling pot stuff. So I don't know how valid Argento's excuse is to actually show us it. But I think the sequence looks really cool. I like the idea that there's always these, like, uh, the architecture of the film, how there's, like, these different layers. We start out but with Rose going down the stairs to that, uh, that underwater uh, dancing ballroom. Uh, we start with, then we go to Sarah going underneath the library to this uh, very uh, scary-looking uh, dungeon place. or something. Yeah, dungeon, exactly. Uh, and then throughout the film, we sort of explore the different architecture of that, that building. Um, so I, I think that part of it is cool. Um, how did you like um, Sarah's death, where she goes back to the apartment? She invites over a uh, a what was he a sports writer? Yeah, <laughs> I thought that. Was, I laughed at the sports writer part too. I just thought yeah, it's he, like such he, a he random only, thing. He only believes in what he can see and touch. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is no, I don't believe in that. Only what I can see and touch. Yeah. Well, that knife went through his neck, so he could see it and touch it. Um, I mean like yeah that was I I thought that was smart I mean I thought in that sense she was smart like she like it looks like he was a neighbor she was like alright stay with me until my my other friend comes in Uh, but yeah that guy was useless he doesn't exactly help Argento's case against you where you're, you're arguing that his characters are really stupid (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's a but i do really like it uh just sort of the lights flashing how they have those sort of voodoo cutouts where they're like cutting off their the music their heads yeah 
I think it works really well. Um, I think this film also, like Suspiria, is quite suspenseful. So I, I enjoy that kill. Those kills. Yeah, me too. And actually, so that that's one of the... the again, my, my biggest comparison with Suspiria is that I feel like the suspense here is even more more real because there is a, a better a better work with the, with the soundtrack and the music and the, and the imagery. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's totally invalid. I think if you... Uh, I think the parts where this film is weak are the characters. So if you don't care about the characters at all, you might find the suspense lacking. Personally, I do agree with you. Uh, I find this film to be quite suspenseful front to back, um, just operating on that sort of like nightmare logic where you don't have to worry about things like why didn't Rose call the police after she ran into those dead bodies? Uh, things like that. Um, it's just operating in this sort of dream nightmare New York City slash room. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that there's one character who literally says the obvious. It's like, do what everyone else would do. Call the police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I don't want to walk through all the set pieces, but I actually think all of them are really quite good. So I'm going to just list these off. You tell me what you want to talk about here. Uh, we have the scene where Rose dies. Uh, they do the sort of two doors thing, just like Suspiria. She cuts her hand on the doorknob and she ends up sort of running around and, and eventually dies uh, from some hands, uh, some creepy-looking hands. Well, I mean, not... But Rose dies uh, decapitated. Oh, yes. Yes, she does. Jeez, how I can mean, I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the, the, the most uh, gruesome deaths. And I'm, 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 I'm kind of curious, actually, if those creepy hands are from the same man in Rome. I mean, it almost seems like they would be right and and so this could be like a magical creature that gets to travel all around the world right and i mean it works works for not, the, the witches right they're not unlike the well they do look a little different than the suspiria hands but they're they seem like they're they're related to each other right well yeah the spirit hands were ha hairy were very yeah. mediterranean <laughs> these ones uh are, are older and more distinguished probably british but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can tell the uh, dental work isn't great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that 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 is probably one of the more gruesome deaths you get to see in this movie because I mean, it's not just the hands, right? Like he he pushes her back to some sort of uh ledge that has nails pointed upwards. And that there's like some glass that literally works as a guillotine and closes that. It does not cut her head in one go. So he has to push it a couple of times until it happens. I mean, and, and this is one of the moments where there is a, 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 the question mark on, on whether or not, um, I'm going to call her Miss Tanner. I know it's Carol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, Carol, I, uh, where, whether or not Carol is involved because Later on, there's a scene where they're chopping meat. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and Carol is watching, you know, the, the cook, as the cook, she's like, you know, chopping that meat, which is fed to the cats. And, and that is right after uh, 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 Rose dies. 
So yeah. it sort of implies that they're chopping her. Yeah. And and and, and, and also Carol is aware that um, uh, the the neighbor, I'm forgetting her name now. Um, uh, Daria, no, not Daria. That's the, act, the actor, Elise. Uh, she's aware that Elise is dead. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you get the feeling that Carol is up to no good. On what level of no good, it's a little unclear. Uh, it seems like it's somewhere in between. She's not a witch, or she's a very incompetent witch, uh, and, and uh, like just being like a thieving robber. Yeah. Uh, She's one of the more human people, actually, though. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about the rose scene, or, or is that pretty much all you got there? I mean... Rose, Rose's decapitation. Um, I mean, again, it's a very Argento scene. Lots of colors, lots of blues and reds. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, beautiful. Um... I mean, I already mentioned, like, how it kind of... It is sort of gruesome how <laughs> they're sort of chopping her head. Right. Um, I, I mean... It's unfortunate, because I actually... Is probably the, she was probably the character I liked the most in the movie. So I was hoping that she would survive. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I thought it was good. I, I I think she's also the most interesting presence in the film, uh, mm-hmm. and and she just sort of once she dies, you're left with just old Mark. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's well filmed, um, but there's so many set pieces in this that uh, I almost don't want to uh, linger too long on it. But yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. Uh, the next one is uh, Elisa's death. Uh, yeah, where it seems like Mark is going to die. He sort of passes out, and then Elise tries to find him. Uh, and I, I would say this is the scene where well, the Mark side is probably where you have the closest connection with uh, with Suspiria, uh, because Mark, you know, looks out through that window with a light, uh, a flashing light, and then he gets sick and sort of passes out. And then Suspiria, uh, Susie, uh, when she gets sick, was because of a flashing light as well. Hmm, that's and, interesting. And, I didn't put I that together, but yeah. So I mean, I, I think that's that was one of the closest connection is that whatever these witches do to fuck with your mind, they flash lights at you or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's like the roofies. Yeah. 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 I guess so. Yeah. So maybe they should start putting up some signs and buses. It's like flashing lights. You know, like you're getting roofied by a witch. I mean, uh, Bill Cosby would have done a lot better with uh, these pictures. <laughs> All right, we're going a little off the rails here. Start bringing <laughs> Bill Cosby into this. All right, yeah, here we go. Um, yeah, uh, the cat attack on Elise, I think, is the highlight of this one. <laughs> where, where she just repeatedly has a bunch of cats thrown on her. Um, I, I enjoyed this on the uh, comedy scale. It's also well filmed too. I mean, all of these are just beautifully filmed, uh, gorgeous set pieces. But uh, right, yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I, this is one of those moments where I was just like, ah, oh, fuck. I think yeah. like how many cats did they killed for this movie. So I, I looked it up, and apparently, uh, I mean, they probably were tossing. I, I think they were tossing real cats at her. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, but 
I mean, uh, cats are not going to get too hurt from that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, all the like close-ups of the claws and things like that, actually, apparently they were animatronics. Uh, in the cloth bag, yeah. In, I'm talking yeah. about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but, I think but so. You think, but you think those cats... I mean, not the only ones where they're showing the claws and clawing her. Maybe. Oh, I see. Oh, interesting. It looked pretty because, good, then. Yeah, they did. Because, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm guessing because, I mean... Yeah. Uh, to get a cat to do anything for you is really hard. And then if you do have a, a feral cat that will attack you, it'll fuck you up. Like, because, so it's really hard for them to do anything. But if you get them to attack you, then, I mean, it's not like you're going to die. You can probably kick them out. But, I mean, those scratches will be fucking deep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all right. So they actually did it in a way that's relatively okay. I, I, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, it's a good thing that like Stanley Kubrick didn't direct this film. I mean, he would have had like 150 takes of that. And uh, I don't know if he would have used animatronics. Well, he would have to shoot a... Uh, well, this was shot in Rome after all, so yeah. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I like the cat attack, but I do think it is over... It is the second best animal-related murder in this in this movie. Um, <laughs> and we are getting now to, of course, uh, another classic scene uh, where Kazanian, uh, the antique dealer, or no, the book dealer that lives next door, um, who hates cats. Uh, I mean, that guy hates everyone. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's he, a, he literally hates everything and everyone. Like, he... He would be like, you know, when Rose went to him and he's like, hey, do you think this is true? It's like, you're a woman. You don't know shit. Then, you know, uh, 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 Mark is asking him questions like, call the, call the cops. Don't talk to me. Also, there's going to be a lunar eclipse. So, you know, worry about that shit. I'm not going to be, I'm not, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, the lunar eclipse. Yeah, I should use that the next time I want to get out of something. It's like, hey, I just want to end the podcast. Like, hey, Nyaki, there's a lunar eclipse tonight. Go check it out. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how we finish the podcast. Uh, by the way, I love the fact that they set up the lunar eclipse and, and they show the lunar eclipse and it has nothing to do with the movie besides, no. you know, there being an eclipse. And if you've ever seen a lunar eclipse, they didn't even do it right. So <laughs> it's just... <laughs> uh, all right. Well, okay. So this guy, Kazanian, collects a bunch of cats. Uh, and then he hates them, and so he just decides he's going to drown them all. And uh, he does that, uh, which is a it's, very... It's actually kind of difficult to watch, in a way. I mean, he, he goes to Central Park to do it, which is yeah. probably a very public place to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this whole film, it's, like, very intimate, despite taking place in, like, New York City. There's only a few characters in the film, but uh, it's in, like, one of the busiest cities in the world. Uh, but anyways, it, he ends up getting attacked by a bunch of rats. He falls in. Uh, the rats are gnarly as hell. Uh, mm. I, I, it's it's really kind of gruesome to watch. And then uh, a guy who is chopping up hot dogs uh, sees him, and he sort of runs across the lake. They use plexiglass, actually, to make it seem like he's sort of running on the water. Oh, and, okay. And uh, he comes over. You think he's going to help Kazanian. And then he just goes to town on him with the knife. Uh, him <laughs> up. Yeah. I would not want to eat what's in the next batch of hot dogs. We'll put it that way. Uh, 
I, I mean, I, I it, this, that was probably one of my favorite scenes for sure. Yeah. Uh, and again, like this is one of those scenes where going back to the whole concept of, of human stupidity. They, in this in this scene, they show the uh, Xenian, Xenian, he's walking, he's crossing a bridge in Central Park. You know that under that bridge, there's water. He could have literally tossed the bag through that bridge. Yeah. But no, the, the, the man who also has, who has to use uh, crutches goes into the water to fucking drown the cats. And that's why he fell, gets attacked by New York rats, which, to be honest, Probably very, probably something that could happen. It's New York. New York yeah. is disgusting. Yeah. But I was not expecting the hot dog man. At first, I was not. I, I thought the hot dog man was just going to continue, you know, doing whatever the fuck he was doing with his hot dogs. But then once he runs towards him, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, he's going to save him. And stab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I don't even think that's unintentional comedy, but. It, it's like this weird mix of being very funny but also extremely violent that whole scene uh, <laughs> I, 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 uh, one thing though if, if you were to ask me did he did the hot man help him in short yeah because the guy was saying I'm being eaten alive help so the man killed him so that he was no longer being eaten alive a humane death yeah he was being eaten dead yeah there you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, like, I, I, you see, and you, you implied, I think I'm offended for the hot dog man. On behalf of the hot dog man, I'm offended. Because you implied that you wouldn't eat the hot dogs man's hot dogs. I think the hot dog man made a very, very uh, smart calculation here. Probably one of the smartest characters in this movie. <laughs> I mean, you saw how rat infested Central Park is in the movie. I and mean, if you've been to New York, it's rat infested in general. The hot dog man probably has to deal with rats all the time because they're always hungry and trying to eat his hot dogs. He sees this evil person who just killed a bunch of kittens. Although it's unclear and, and, if he knows that. Maybe he saw the whole thing, right? Okay, sure. But sure. he sees this evil person who actually was laughing maniacally as he was you know, walking away or crutching away. And after he falls, the, here, here's the thought process. You know, there's a large body in the water and the rats are, are enjoying him. If this man keeps on screaming, he'll be saved and the rats will have no food, which means that they will come to my hot dog stand again. Why not we kill him and they leave those rats happy far away from my hot dog stand so my food is clean for my customers? See, if I was a customer, I would go to that hot dog man. He thinks clearly. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I, think I, I think I know what happened in the future with him, too. I think two years later, this guy started PETA. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, so, so I'm, 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 the, I, the, uh, the theory that I'm thinking of that he was using was more of a, a, a George Bush 2003 uh, mentality, which was like, have the fight uh, away. See, I gotta fight rats all the time. Why not have the have the fight with them away than eating that guy instead of my hot dogs at home? There Same with go. the U.S. sending military abroad, <laughs> Middle East. 
So, you know, here. Wow. We are all over the place today. <laughs> Getting some GWB uh, in, too. All right. Um, okay. Well, that's one of my favorites, too. Uh, then the last two scenes, which are kind of connected together, we'll just combine them, uh, is basically the, the conclusion, which starts with um, the butler, James, uh, and Carol. Uh, I thought it was John. Okay, John. I don't know. Maybe it's different. I yeah. Uh, it doesn't okay. matter. The butler and Carol getting together, robbing Elise, basically, um, and then uh, John or the butler getting murdered by um, presumably the, 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 the same, creepy hand. The creepy yeah. hand, uh, and uh, Carol putting the building on fire and burning herself alive as well. Uh, which goes to um... sorry. I, I wanna I wanna expand a little bit on that one because that's the, my last example of stupidity. Okay. <laughs> All right. So John dies somehow, and then the candle starts lighting something on fire. Carl sees the dead body of John, freaks out. Okay, justifiable. And then sees the fire. Sees uh this large uh. Um, shit. Not blinds. Uh, what's curtains? Curtain. There's large. There's large like velvet curtains just burning, and, and you get two choices: run away, or go to the curtains that are on flames and pull them down. Now, James, what choices would you have? What would you do? A. Run away for safety, or B walk towards those flaming uh, curtains and pull them down? Uh, definitely A. Right. I, I yeah. think so, too. I, th I think... I don't think there's much to think about here. Even well, in fight, fight, fight or flight. Usually yeah. it's flight. Well, maybe to go with your theory, have you considered the uh, theory that uh, Mater Tenebrum, the uh, mother of this film... Maybe her superpower is she just lowers everyone's IQ by seventy-five. <laughs> That's possible, actually. That that it, that could be a that could be the explanation. Yeah, and maybe Rose that, is like a genius, so her IQ comes down to a normal person, and everyone else is just a freaking moron. <laughs> all, all I know is that it, it is beautiful how she pulls down that uh, the curtain, starts burning, rolls down out the window, falls many stories. So she's dead in many ways, right? Like she's burning while she's falling, while she's hitting the ground, and then burning the entire building uh, along her, the way. Yep. That's how you do arson. That's exactly. <laughs> uh, she couldn't even be charged for felony murder because uh, she didn't start the fire. That's but she true. definitely killed a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Okay, well, this basically culminates into Mark going under the floorboards, uh, finding Varelli, um, and eventually the uh, last mother, and uh, and then running out of the building. Did you like this? So I'm I'm sum I'm summing a bunch of information down into a small bit. Did you like this last sequence? Yeah, overall, I think I thought it was pretty good. Uh, we already talked about how funny it was when he meets Varelli. Yeah, 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 and. Um, and the way Farley dies is kind of interesting too. Um, 
I mean, I don't even know if he died. Well, I mean, he probably died in the fire. Yeah, if 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 not from the uh, yeah strangling, but yes, the, probably the fire. Yeah, because I mean, technically he was saved, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I did like also the nurse. Uh, I I mean, so going back a little bit further, a little bit back from the nurse when the, she was talking to Mark the first time they had an exchange. And she's like, oh, what do you do? It's like, oh, I'm a psychologist. Oh, so toxicologist. It's like, no, 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 no. It's, I don't do, uh, I don't do medicine. I, I do musicology. She's like, what is that? It's, it's study of music. Oh, oh, your sister's weird too. She does that weird stuff. It's like poetry. Yeah. You know, things that women should do. <laughs> that only, you know, you're like, what? <laughs> So it is surprising. I do think that it's a little bit of a twist when you learn that she is, you know, the mother of darkness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rather than just like kind of a strange, quirky white woman. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's not who I would have uh, picked out of there. Um, yeah, uh, the last sequence, I think it has some cool, if, if you're a fan of Flames, this is the mm -hmm. part where everything goes up in flames. I think it looks cool too. Some great shots. I like the way that they framed um, uh, the nurse uh, towards the end. Uh, one thing I am not a fan of here that I do think we should talk about is the um, skeleton. It, so I am a little bit split here. I actually really love the effect on her turning into the skeleton. Mm -hmm. I loved how like, you know, she's she's in that mirror, breaks the mirror, and then it's a skeleton. I, I thought that was very cool. I thought the costume was silly as fuck. Yeah, it's almost like they have this wonderful stuff all planned and filmed and stuff like that, and they're like, "Oh fuck, we forgot about the skeleton. Uh, let's send let's send our production assistant down to this costume shop and just buy the cheapest thing there." It's like they ran out of money or something. It's like, it looks so bad compared to the rest of the film. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think, but I think the costume was bad. I think the idea was good. And it was actually like through editing and the production value itself was really good. It was really cool uh, transition between her and her, like as a person with the skeleton. They just needed to fix the skeleton part. Yeah, they just needed to spend more than $7 on their skeleton. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they accidentally burned the skeleton, and so they're like, oh, fuck. Uh, I guess we'll uh, need to come up with something else. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, so uh, you, have, you want to pick a favorite of all those set pieces from the beginning? Underwater ballroom, library in Rome. Um, the scene where Rose dies, uh, the cat attack on Elise, the uh, the hot dog guy, and the I, conclusion. I mean, I think the most memorable is the hot dog guy. Okay. Uh, but I did like the conclusion. I actually did like uh, how everything is just burning down and she's sort of just walking around. And to be to be frank, I. I wouldn't be surprised that uh, the remake was heavily inspired by this movie, almost more than uh, 
I mean, they, 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 the original, you know, the remake of Suspiria, like the plot comes from Suspiria, mm -hmm. but like the imagery and, and like the, even the power, the, the witch herself, it's more similar to this one where, I mean, the witch is young, she's not old. Mm -hmm. and and she's powerful and empowered as well and and it ends with her basically uh, at a grandiose uh, position saying like basically just sort of saying like you're gonna fucking die one way or another you're gonna die like we are gonna get you mm -hmm. uh we are death basically yeah so which you is like i get Mm -hmm. So you pick the conclusion? No, it's still a the guy. Okay, all right. I'm going to pick the underwater ballroom because I, I also like that one. But those are my three. Hot Dog yeah. Man, Underwater Ballroom, and the finale. Um, and they all are th three very different from one another. Uh, so yes. I, I like that part too. Um, uh, all right. Well, that's most of what I have as far as set pieces. Um, uh Let's see, what else do I have here? Um, so one of the things I also liked about this um, was just the architecture of the building. And just mm -hmm. maybe this is also what you're talking about when you talk about this being sort of similar to the Luca Gattaguino Suspiria 2. Um, it's almost like this fairy tale building exploration where you go under the apartment, under the library. It's kind of like a child exploring. There's like mm -hmm. a service entrance. Not that many people live in this apartment. There's sort of like these holes where you can talk to someone uh, living in there. There's like people listening in to conversations. Uh, so uh, did you have any thoughts on, on sort of the, uh, the architectural aspects of this? No, I, I mean, I think you've mentioned a lot of things. Like um, I do think that uh, the building itself was very beautiful uh, or and very, I mean, it definitely felt like it was, it could be New York. New York does have a lot of uh, that type of architecture, uh, which are sort of modern yet Gothic, if you will. Right. Um, every building in this movie was a labyrinth. Yeah. There's nothing modern about any of them. No, yeah, no, but I'm talking about a labyrinth as in like, there are secret compartments, there are ah, secret yeah, yeah, yeah. areas, there are, uh, that, and that was kind of fun to explore, as you were mentioning. Um, it was nice also that you got more than two buildings in this movie to explore. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah the other one was just like the house and right that ap apartment building uh this one you you got the library the giant apartment building sure um but it was like a giant apartment like it was you know a huge building right um, we get to go to rome also mm -hmm. so right we, we move around a little more than uh Suspiria. Mm -hmm. it, it, it makes better use of the spaces that mm -hmm. it has um <clears throat> I mean, uh, I do, uh, I might be wrong and people can correct us uh, on Twitter later, uh, but I do believe that <laughs> when it comes to the New York uh, ge uh, geography, they got it a little bit wrong. 
in the sense that there's a scene where uh, through the window you can see, I feel like the Hudson or something uh, <laughs> on the apartment, but the building is facing uh, Central Park. So how do you do that? You're probably right. Uh, I don't know if they nailed the architecture totally correct, but I'm not, I've been to New York. I have, I don't know well enough to, to say uh, whether that's uh, geographically correct or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those are, those are my thoughts. Got it. Uh, one other question that I think is kind of interesting is, what do you think the alternate version of Inferno is like with a, like, let's say you're casting almost like A-list Hollywood actors in here. Um, supposedly, James Woods, who is a really good actor, um, mm-hmm. was go- was originally cast in this, but uh, ended up turning it down to do Videodrome for Cronenberg uh, because oh. of scheduling conflicts uh, for the Mark part, which would have been like a much stronger presence than Lee McCluskey, who played Mark. Uh, even if you kept the role almost identical, I, I think that movie is dramatically different. And Nancy Allen uh, was going to be the part of Rose, too, uh, and she ended up doing Dress to Kill instead with uh, Brian De Palma, who was her husband at the time. Um, so both of those are way more famous than uh, Lee McCluskey and Irene Miracle. Uh, so I'm not sure how familiar you are with James Woods and Nancy Allen, but what do you think the movie is like with just, like, like much stronger screen presences there? Or do you think this is just sort of inherently a director's film? Um, I mean, the way... So I'm assuming James Wood would have been Mark, right? Yes. I mean, James Wood is a much more imposing actor. Uh, I mean, he's a pretty good actor, terrible human being, but a very good actor. Um, <laughs> I, I think it would have been a much different movie with him. Uh, he would have added a lot of flair to the character that he doesn't have. In a way, I, I sort of... I mean, it would be very different. I don't know if I would like it more or less. Because it, on one hand, it's kind of nice having this blank slate. Mm-hmm. You, you get those gems of like him being kind of an idiot. With James Wood, I don't know if I would I would buy that because James Wood does like what the, the when he I mean most movies that I've seen him in, he's usually like a, it's usually like a seasoned character, a guy with lots of personality. Um, yeah, I think I pretty much a hundred percent agree with your assessment. Uh, it's like it it just would have been a really really different movie with stronger presences and in, in the role, especially with Mark. Because he really is uh, sort of just like an empty vessel that we can just sort of watch as he goes through this, uh, like even less personality than like, like, I don't know if um, Susie Banyan is a great role in Suspiria, but it's more of a role than uh, this one is. This right. role is almost so blank and, and the actor is so whatever that uh, it's kind of like we're just following this guy around because we're following him around, not because he's like charismatic or anything like that. Right. As for Nancy Allen, I don't know much of her work, uh, but I I feel like she she wouldn't have been that big of a difference. It seems that she's, you know, like, uh, from from what I remember her in movies, like, she's pretty malleable. 
Yeah, I mean, she's a good actress. I, I think she does change it less than James Woods would. Um, also, Rose, mm. Rose is, unfortunately, a smaller part than Mark is in this film. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I think she changes it less, but she does have kind of a unique uh, sort of high-pitched uh, presence that I do think would change the film, too. Personally, I mm. think I'm pretty happy with how it is, with like these kind of no-name, uh, or at least not very big uh, actors in the film and the roles here. So I, I'm pretty okay with how it turned out but it's interesting to sort of speculate on what happens if you put james woods or even like a de niro or something like that in this film i i actually what's interesting is that i do find you know how you're talking about mark hamill mm -hmm. i think mark hamill would have been good on this as mark i mean he would have been just like a better version of lee mccluskey yeah yeah which which is Good, like yeah. Because I, I don't, th I, I think Mark Hamill actually is a pretty good actor. Uh, he's okay. I mean, yeah. Uh, you don't, you don't think he's that good? Oh, well, I don't think he's great. Uh, no, I don't think one. he's great. But neither was this other guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but also like you know, in nineteen eighty, Mark Hamill uh, looked younger, which would have fit better the character's age. Mm hmm. Uh, so that's kind of maybe that's sort of why I'm, I'm thinking of Mark Hamill because you. He he can play a clean slate pretty well, uh, but he's whinier, or he can be a whinier character, uh, at least thinking of Luke Skywalker kind of concept, and that actually might have made it uh, more interesting. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. All right. Uh, one other question I have is, so it seems like the consensus out there is that Mother Mother Tenebrum dies in this film, burns. Do you think she died? Because no. I actually, I, that was not my takeaway the first time. No, I, I don't. I don't see how. I mean, I, unless the director said outright said that that was his intent, or the screenwriter outright said that. My understanding was, fuck it, I'm burning everything down, and you know, I'm I'm gonna walk away, or, or like I mean, she literally turned into death, like. Can death die? Because I mean, that skeleton is well, that was death. She she's like we are death. Uh, she turned into death. Uh, the Green Reaper, basically. Right. As far as I understand, the Green Reaper cannot die. So, no, I I don't think she died. I think she just killed everyone in that building. And once that building gets better, she'll kill everyone again. Yeah. But she okay. feels like it. Well, I guess we see things a little too eye tie because I agree with you. I, I'm very unconvinced with the idea that she's dead. Wait, who comes up with these theories? I don't know. It's, well, a, it's are... in Wikipedia, man. All right. Okay. All right. Let's do a little bit of homework here. Uh, who are they citing? <laughs> yeah, let's see. Yeah, uh, last sentence of the plot in Wikipedia. I don't know who they're citing, but it says, uh, Laughing maniacally, she reveals to him that she is Mater Tenebrum. She vanishes but reemerges through a mirror as death personified. However, the fire that has consumed much of the building enables Mark to escape from the witch's den. Debris crashes down on the fiend, destroying her. Huh. That being said, it's like, if you're going to kill her, like, 
you got to make it more clear. It's like you should have like her like screaming or something like that, like dying. It's like Elena Marcos dying. I thought was clear. Yeah, for I, sure. I don't. Th- I don't think it's very clear in this film at all. I mean, both the times I watched it, I I was, I didn't think it was obvious that she died. Well, didn't the, in 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 the movie. Uh... In, in your favorite of the three, uh, Mother of Tears. <laughs> uh, don't they explain what happened to them? Because, I mean, I, I hear that that's one I complaint about Mother of Tears is how uh, they sort of talk, talk about how uh, Susie Banyan killed uh, Suspiria, at least. Yeah. Uh, I don't recall exactly. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they were like, yeah, this guy named Mark did it. Great, great guy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, okay, so let's see. Um, yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know. If you st- well, uh, let's not go too far down this deep dive. I don't know. How. Uh, according to Den of Geeks, also, it's like an Inferno Matter Tenenbaum. Uh, Mate, no, the mates died. Um, yeah, I don't think she died. Anyways, okay, let's say she doesn't die. Uh, I mean, I mean and, and either way, they could be reincarnate or whatever, according to the remake. <laughs> right, right. It's not not like you. I mean, she knew there was a fire going on, so it's not like she was caught off guard by it at the end. Uh, and she literally could teleport teleport into a mirror, an outside of a mirror. I think yeah. she could teleport into anything. She could also literally transform into a $7 skeleton. So uh, I'm yeah. pretty sure she lived. Although maybe she melted there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I think that's most of what I have. Um, a couple uh, fun facts uh, to this one. Uh, so Mario Baba stepped in, uh, who is like, was originally a cinematographer um, and really one of the chief architects of the giallo genre uh, and just a great set designer himself. So a lot of the cityscape views seen in Inferno were actually tabletop skyscrapers built by Baba out of mark out of milk cartons covered with photographs. Nice. Pretty good work, actually. Uh, yeah. I thought it looks really good. Uh, um, Baba's son, Lamberto Baba, was a, an assistant director on this film. He eventually became a pretty uh, well-known director himself in Italy. Uh, he said that he handled and wrangled so many cats during the shooting of the film that afterward he could no longer stand to be in the same room as a cat. He's avoided them since then. Uh, <laughs> I, I, can, uh, I can relate to that. There's a lot of cats in this film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if you're allergic, things would have been bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, all right, well, anything else uh, you want to add to this film? Uh, I was going to conclude with stuff that we thought aged well or not. Um, no, let's go. Let's jump into the aging things. Yeah, anything you? I I think for the most part, this film has aged really, really well. I think it's nice to see it on a good quality transfer, like on Canopy. Um, mm-hmm. I think it looks gorgeous and. Uh, and I think that uh, carries over well to the modern era. Um, maybe a couple of the comments that Kazanian makes uh, wouldn't 
fly very well in 2020, uh, but uh, for the most part, I, I think you can attribute that to the character. Um, anything you want to highlight that you think has uh, stood out well or not uh, as far as uh, this film? No, I, I, I completely agree with you. I, I, I mean, actually, even the Ksenian thing, I think that would be fine in a 2020 movie. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, that's the character and the character is an asshole. So, like, right. you could attribute that. I mean, it almost feels like uh, there's a couple of characters who are just clearly sexist. And, I mean, the nurse, who later we learn, you know, she's a mother of darkness, but I mean, she's kind of sexist as well. Uh, but it, it, it's almost like a trait for them being assholes, uh, more than, you know, the director making a comment on any of these people, uh, in, in, on women, basically. Right. right. Um, no, I mean, I, all in all, I thought this was a very good movie. It, it leaves you intrigued on what could happen. It makes you, it is very unfortunate that uh, Mother of uh, of Tears is, you know, I mean, again, I haven't seen it, but it's not regarded as a good movie. It is unfortunate, especially because uh, when they introduce her in this movie, she's a very intriguing character. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the little you see her, you want to make, you want to like learn more about her, you know, as she's like petting that cat in, uh, in in the uh on that auditorium right uh and staring at mark you know very intense stare very uh very mysterious character that, and, and and you know like that you want to see explored um right it's also argento's home turf too going to rome to film mm. a mother so yeah it's I really think we can probably blame a lot of it on the fact that this movie wasn't the international hit that Suspiria was, um, that it took him so long uh, to do it, because this film, I don't think uh, anyone would have called it successful. So he ended up going back to more of those Giallo films for a bit um, and didn't come back to uh, Mother of Tears for 27 years uh, in a period where, frankly, Argento was not making very many good films uh, or films of this caliber. So. Uh, it is too bad that we couldn't see that film, but I'm glad that uh, we have Inferno. Okay, uh, last couple things. Uh, how would you rate this film, and who won? Um, I give this one an eight, okay. seven or eight. Gotcha. Well, um, who won? Mm-hmm. Music. Really. Wow. Uh, Going to no, keep no. them or No, no, okay. no. It's like, that's a big fuck you to Goblin, huh? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, and all, all, all the Goblin fans. Yeah, I well, think he just got canceled by, uh, by all the Goblin fans. Shit, uh, people are going to find out my address and everything now. We yeah. get death threats. I'll, I'll post it in the description. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, it's, it's between cinematography on... I mean, I would say between cinematography and music. I did, I did enjoy the music. I'm not going to lie. I did enjoy the music quite a bit. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm going to give it to the cinematography and the set design aspects of this. I just think it's a, a gorgeous film. That's, I think, most of the appeal and why it's aged so well. Um, so I think for that, I gave Suspiria a 10 out of 10. So I guess I got to give this film a 10 out of 10 too. So I'm going to give it the... Uh, perfect score 
because apparently I'm a big squish. Uh, so really like this film. I think it's well worth checking out. I think uh, as long as you can sort of uh, get past the fact that uh, if you're a spirit lover, you can't go in with exactly the same expectations. But I think it's a really good film um, if you can sort of wrap your head around sort of its own internal logic. I mean, if, if well, obviously we've spoiled everything, so whatever. But I was going to say, if you're still listening up to here and you have not seen either of these two movies, I would watch this one first. Really? That way you don't have, yeah, that, then that, that way you don't have any expectations. Well, you know what? Uh, I have seen this film the second time. I watched this film for the first time earlier this year. Um, and I watched it um, without having seen Suspiria very recently at all. And you know what? I enjoyed it a lot. And I think it helped me to sort of see this film um, in its own context. That being said, you just watched this film after watching Suspiria just a couple weeks ago, too. So it's possible to enjoy this film in a couple different ways. But I do think watching it first is probably a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, and that way you don't build those expectations because after all, these two movies were not... Well, Suspiria was not meant to have a sequel. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Argento really didn't care that much about doing too many retroactive things. Right. And this is not Harry Potter where you need to like know what happened with Hermione and Ron in the previous film. It's like, there's a bunch of witches. They're trying to fuck shit up. That's all you need to know. Well, and were there any witches in this movie besides... There may have just been the one, so. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, any last words, Inyaki? Uh, about this movie, no. But for the next movie, I have a list. All right, not a list. I have already. I already have it in mind. So. Oh yeah. Do you want to yeah. leak that out for our ten viewers so they can uh, watch it ahead of time? Our ten listeners. Yes, ten listeners. Right. Um. We, even though this episode is probably com coming out around Halloween and Halloween will be over, screw, you know, just being doing horror in October. We're gonna, I'm going to go a little bit further. We're going to do Noroi. Noroi. All right, man. That's a, uh, that's a scary movie, man. Uh, and I have not seen that in 10 years since I think we watched it together. So, Right. The only place I found, I, so Amazon has it, but you have to have uh, one of those subscriptions to a channel. Uh, so I'm considering doing that, like do the free trial to watch it and then, you know, cancel it before you charge me. There you go. Um, it's a, so it's, it's a classic move. So, uh, and, the, and the reason I point this out is because last time we saw it, the, uh, the copy we had was of horrible quality. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah. Okay. It does look like uh, Noroi is on Shutter, so uh, we can potentially oh. try that out. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, yeah. But uh, we would have to cancel that if we don't want to continue to subscribe. But yes, we will figure this out on our own and we will watch this movie uh, because it is quite watchable. Um, yeah, I mean, there is an illegal copy on YouTube, but I'm not saying do that. Please do not do that. That would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lawyer such as oneself would never advocate for anything like that. Um, exactly. Yeah. Do not do that. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all for tuning in to the Film to Film podcast. Uh, look forward to watching No Roy the Curse next week, 2005 found footage film. 
Um, mm-hmm. uh, follow us at uh, on Twitter at ZA Film to Film. Send us an email, ZAFilmToFilm at gmail.com. Uh, just give us any feedback. Uh, any is welcome. Leave us a five-star rating on uh, on Apple or Spotify, uh, any of those, um, and let us know what you think. Uh, and thanks yeah. so much for tuning in. And again, if, if you got any friends who you know like to listen to about random movies, here we are. Yeah. Film to film. Yeah. Best podcast, podcast in the world. Yeah. All right. Bye.